Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for this evening. We thank you, Lord, for continuing to lead us and to, and to give us wisdom, understanding into your word. Lord, we do thank you for your word, and as we apply it to our lives, it changes things. It changes the world around us. We thank you, Lord, that as we speak, as we act, that your word needs to be the plumb line. Your word needs to be preeminent. And we thank you for that opportunity. Pray that you'll bless tonight, get lead us and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So very, yes, oh, very quickly, uh, three main topics that we uh, touched on were, number one is the truth, whatever the truth is. And the truth uh, very can, cannot be politically correct. It needs to be biblically correct. And biblically correct most of the time is not politically correct. It is, it's hard. It's, it's, it seems to be a hard teaching. Jesus taught all kinds of hard teachings. But as God's representative, as God in flesh, who better to hear from? Who better to get our truth from than Jesus Christ? So, no PC stuff. Second thing we talked about was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that gives us the, uh, it, it, it's the Spirit of God praying through us, and through, with that comes the power. It's in that that we have the, um, the anointing to do it. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to s- s- move up by these guys. That, that third row. Because everybody else has to sit in the front row, and they should have been here earlier. <laughs> You'll, oh, there you go. Awesome. That's the way it works. You get to be the first, first in the fourth row. You do? Well, what, who's sitting next to you, Terry? There we go. And, and once again, it's only we're trying to move everybody in. Get, get people up close and personal. Fellow, you could be in the fourth row. You can be. Barb, man. Oh, yeah. We don't want to mess with Barb. All right. No, no, no. She's in the third row. We just don't want to move her out of her third row. Yeah, sure you did. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. It, it, Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem. He said, don't leave Jerusalem without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because that is where the power comes from. If you're, you know, can Jesus heal anyone anytime he wants to? I'm throwing it out there. Can 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 Jesus heal anybody he wants to anytime he wants to? It's just a good question to ask. I just I'll leave it out there. You can you can mull that one a bit. All right. It's good to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And everything we do must be based upon faith. It is without faith it is impossible to please God. We must have faith. We must believe the word of God, and faith is not just a thought or a desire. Faith is an action. We act upon the word. And how do we act upon the word? That's what we're here to learn. That's what we're, that's what these classes are about. So last week, or that two weeks ago, 
uh, the second week, let's play it that way, um, they believe the word. They just believe the word. Jesus said, I can do this. Uh, if you believe in me, I can do this. They said, okay. And they, they showed up. The woman with the issue of, the blood, of blood came and grabbed a hold of his garment just because she believed it. She, did, you know, she didn't have all the right words to say. She just knew. She believed if I grab a hold of his, the hem of his garment, then he, I will be healed. Also, we talked about persistence. Don't, don't take no for an answer. And we, we talked specifically about um, two people who were not qualified. They were not they were not Jews. They were not uh, um, qualified. They didn't have... Jesus came to preach to the Jews, primarily. He came to save that which was lost of his own people. While he was here, we have two examples of where people who were not Jewish came and asked for something. One time he even called them a dog. You don't deserve this. You're a dog. And the person took the offense and still believed. There is something about taking the offense. How many of you have ever been offended in church? How many of you never lie ever? We all get offended. We all have an opportunity to be offended. What we do with that offense is, 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 going, to be, is going to determine what we, how far we move forward. Jesus offended everybody. At some point in time, you know, they, they said, the, the disciples said to him, you know, don't you realize you're offending the chief priests and the, and the, sad, you know, the Sanhedrin? And Jesus says, so what? He offended them because God offends us. God, God has no problem saying no to us. Why? Because we talked about, there are, sometimes he wants to just see what you're made of. He wants to see how hungry you are. He wants to see whether you're going to ignore the offense. You know, how many times have you ever prayed and there was no answer whatsoever? How many of you are in the middle of something right now where you've prayed and asked for something or believed for something and there's no answer? Are you offended? You wouldn't admit it. That's for sure. You wouldn't admit it. No, but I mean... God isn't really concerned about our feelings. He's not. He's more concerned about our character. And he's concerned about eternity. And, in, and, to, and to develop the character and to, to work, you know, to get through this to eternity, we have to be tough. And so when he told the woman, he said, I'm not giving you anything. You're a dog. I don't give bread to the dogs. She said, even the, child, even the dogs eat the crumbs off the children's table. And he went, there you go. That's what we're looking for. That's great faith. The other great faith was the centurion. He didn't deserve it either. He was a Roman. He was an occupier. He wasn't one of the children of God. He wasn't a, a, uh, one of the Abraham's seed, a Abraham's children. And Jesus said, all right, I'll come and heal. He goes, you don't have to, you don't have to come to my house. You, you shouldn't come to my house. You're not supposed to come to my house. All you have to say is speak the word. All you have to do is speak the word. You speak the word, and I, I understand authority. I'm a man under authority. I understand how authority works. Do it. And Jesus went, there you go. One side of it was just understanding that persistence will, will get you there. The other side of it is understanding the authority. Last time we got together, we talked primarily about authority. We went through a whole uh, through Matthew. We went through Ma a whole bunch of verses in Matthew 7. 
9, 10, Mark 1, all talking about authority. Jesus gave his disciples authority. The disciples weren't born again they, be, before Jesus died. But he, he gave them his authority, and when he did that, they could do the things that he did. Why? Based on the authority. Same thing the centurion talked about. So how can we expect to receive anything? Why do we expect to receive? Because he's given us authority. He's given us the authority. Where did he give us the authority? In the word, in, in the, the ascension of Jesus. Uh, First Peter, Second Peter, what's the verse? I don't have it written down. By his stripes we were healed. Jesus says, I have given you all authority. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, do this stuff. Anyone who believes in my name will do these things. He gave us authority to walk in healing and to give healing, to, to, to walk in giving healing to whoever he leads us to do, whoever he leads us to, to, to pray for or to heal. All right, any questions about, that was very quick through three weeks of healing teaching. Question, Ricky. Mm-hmm. So Jesus talked to him they had this exchange. But the centurion is asking for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So how does that connect? He's not asking for healing for himself. Yes. But it, it, what, who was, uh, how, what relationship was there between he and the person he was asking for, for healing for? So it was somebody that he, he it was his servant. He, whether he owned that servant or whether how how that I don't we don't know that specific, but it was somebody from his household. They always they talked about people being from their household, whether it would be their family or the servants were considered their household. So he had authority over that that servant. In this day, yep. Do we have that? Do you have that? That is a fantastic question. And I don't know that I'm ready to answer that fully. And, and the reason being is this. How far does our authority reach out? And we did talk about this one night. You know, that, I, that some, I, I, you know, I made the crazy or bold, I'm not sure which one, statement, that I don't believe we have authority to pray for everyone that we want to pray for or believe for. And I still believe that. That's still where I, that's still where I stand on that. Um, how far does that authority reach out? I don't know. Um, I know I have authority to pray for myself that I have authority for. I know that I have authority for my wife, for my spouse. I know that I have authority for my children because I'm the head of the household and both, both Deb and I, we can pray for our kids and I believe we have absolute authority to do that. But I think that anyone else has to be someone that, that gives you the authority or for some reason you have authority to do that. If someone asks you to pray for them, they're, 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 asking you, they're, they're giving you the authority. Um, I can't just walk up to somebody and, and ask to pray for them. Hey, can I pray for you real quick? Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I can do that. I can ask. But we have to ask. Um, we can't just assume and walk up and, you know, you know, and start praying for somebody. You know, number one, it'll scare them. But number two, I don't think there, there's not that kind of authority. 
I have prayed for people who are not my relative, that are not Christian, that are not, uh, they're not only not Christian, they, they don't believe there is a God. I said, can I pray for you because I believe there's a God and I believe that God still heals today. And the person said, sure, why not? It can't hurt, right? And I prayed for them and they were healed. So, but I asked them and they said, sure, why not? So I think if, we, if somebody asks us to pray or we, or we ask them to pray, I think it opens up that channel of authority. But if you ask someone, say you ask someone in uh, Washington State, somebody you know, can I pray for you? Absolutely, you can pray for me. And then you post it to the church prayer, account, prayer website. I don't know that I have authority to pray for that person. I don't know that I do. And, I, and I'm not saying I don't, for sure. And I'm not saying, all I'm saying is I don't know. I don't, I don't feel confident that that is automatic. I guess that's the best answer. Is that, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't ask him to pray, but it says that he went back to his own company. So that was, that was people within. I believe we can pray for people in our own church. You know, as long as, long as you consider yourself a part of us, um, I would say that that falls under authority. I, you know, where is that line? I don't know. Is it a relationship type thing? It's relationship. It, it has to be, I believe it has to be relationship. You know, the, I, I, I click on Facebook, and somebody posts a picture of a person in a wheelchair in Bangladesh and say, you know, 10,000 likes for this person to get healed or whatever. We've all seen those. Uh, I don't know. Doesn't mean, I, I just don't I, don't, I don't pray for the person. It's not because I'm cruel, but I just, I think, I think it has to be, it ha, there has to be a relationship. I think that's probably the best way to say it. Yeah. Could be, I, and I don't know. I don't know because I know of people who have been healed. When the person on television says, um, "You know, I know Georges and Freds and Bill," you know, uh, think of a name that uh, Gertrude. That was the name. Uh, for, the Lord just told me that Gertrude broke her ankle, and God and God, you know, God says He's healing you right now, and Gertrude ends up getting healed. Why? Yep, and I believe at that point that per- yep because you reached out and grabbed a hold of that. You believe your faith. It was your faith that that did that. So I mean, we could do for instances all day long. I, I don't know. I I guess I'm I can't make a blanket statement in any way. Why one person? Why another? The reason I even say that that we have to take into account the the reality that we may not always have authority is we pray for people and then we ask why weren't they healed if they weren't. I believe one of them is there are some people that 
that we try to pray for that we do not have authority to do to pray for them. And that's that's not politically correct. You know, it's not it's not it's not a happy, uh, warm, fuzzy thought. You know, it's it's you know it's actually kind of like, well, wait a second. Then when then who can we pray for? That's exactly that's the question we need to ask. When when are we, when do we have that authority where we step out and we do it and it actually happens? Because to me, it's all about actually happening from here on out. I want it, it, I want to be effective, and I want to do it the way that that God wants us to do it. And so, what 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 is that line? I don't know, but let's find out. You know, let's let's. Let's keep exploring that as we go along. Okay? Close enough? Any other questions? Good questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I believe it does stop. I believe there's a point where it stops. Um, and I shared this one of the nights I was here. Maybe it was a Sunday morning. I don't know. But uh, I've always prayed for my kids. Always prayed whenever somebody was sick. Whenever, always prayed for them. Always laid hands on them. Always spoke and saw them recover quickly. Many, many, many times, just over the years. Recently, I don't remember when it happened with Ethan, but recently Tally came home, was not feeling well, and I was going to go. I just automatically was going to go pray for her, and the Holy Spirit said, "Stop." She needs to learn to stand for herself. Now, I don't know if it's all, obviously, it's never always the same date, time, age, but it's, you know, we have to recognize when it is. And I said, okay, what can I do? You know, as a, as a parent, what can I do? And the Holy Spirit says, have her pray, have her believe, and you agree with her. You know, walk her through it. So I did that. That's what I did. I, I went, I said, hey, Tally, I said, I, I, I'm not going to pray for you. But I said, God wants you to know that you need to start standing for yourself and you have the faith to do it. Let's pray. And I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll, I'll, I'll sit here. I'll agree with you. So on and so forth. And that's great. You know, I, I, I think that's, that is growing up. That's becoming mature. And, uh, and we need to do that within the church, too. Within the church, we all have the authority to pray for ourselves. To, to believe for ourselves. Not even, it's not even praying for ourselves, but to believe for ourselves. I am speaking to my body all the time now. Come in line with the Word of God. And I'm, you know, whatever is going on, whatever the deal is. You're, you're, I am healed the other day. Probably shouldn't be on. Oh, or we're not even recording, are we? Unless Greg is hit the recording. Greg, give me a sign if you're recording this. He's not in the room. He's, he's, listening, he's listening in there. Um, but he, he just gave me the sign. All right. I, I told you, he's listening in there. Um, uh, what was I talking about? Because I just went, when I, what was I saying? I speak to my body and whatever I'm dealing with, just the other day. Greg, what was I talking about? Fill in the blanks here. Um, Speaking to my memory, exactly. Uh, what was I talking about? Just the other day. What, what, what was I? Well, I don't even know what I was. Oh, thank you. That's per- there we go. That's what got me there. All right. So I'm, we're at home, 
And uh, Deb's mom is with us, and Deb's mom had a hip, hip surgery, and she's recovering, and so on and so forth. And her dad went out on the road and then came back. And the night he came back, he was like, <coughs> oh, I got a cold. Yeah, and it's going to be a bad one. Oh, it's going to be a bad one. And here we go. Yeah, it's this time of year. I always get a cold this time. And I was out on the road. I was in those hotel rooms. I am going to be sick tomorrow, and it's going to be a doozy. And I'm sitting over on the couch going, in the name of Jesus, you will not come in this house. You do. You will get out of, you are not, t-. so I, that was at five o'clock before one of the nights uh, of last week's services. I came here and I'm in the front row during worship and all of a sudden, I, oh, yeah. <coughs> oh, and I started, I'm going, oh no, 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 no. In the name of healed. I am healed. I am, I am restored. Cold, you're out of my life. And I just started speaking to it during worship. And by the end of worship, it was gone. No cold, no, you know, it's just, it is not allowing room for Satan to come into your life. And you have the authority, every one of you have the authority to claim that healing and to stand for yourself. Let's start there. Because we're going to run into people we need to pray for. You can always pray for people. But let's start there and start, start dealing with the percentages. How often does this thing reverse itself? Or not reverse, how, many, how often does this reverse and change? Well, I can give you that example that night. There's been other times in the last month where something, a symptom started coming on and I was like, no, no, I refuse to be sick. Not, not because I'm, you know, it's, a, I'm, I'm, it's positive thinking, not because I'm, I'm being, you know, it's my will. No, it's because the word of God says that by his stripes I am healed. And I refuse for the devil to, to lying symptoms to take authority in my life or take, take place in my life. So we, we can do that. You can do that. It doesn't take anything other than knowing what the word says. And now you know what the word is. Yes? Do you think that if somebody has some sort of like, I mean, the ailment shouldn't matter what, right. what it is. It's like, you know, what we think of as insignificant or severe. Yep. Shouldn't matter. Um, but if it's something like a uh, lifelong thing, or maybe just like a lengthy sort of ailment or injury or something like that, mm-hmm. and if they're taking authority but nothing's happening yet, and you're being persistent, do you think that that's God's wanting you to work other things out? Something that's not related necessarily? The real answer is I don't know, and I don't think well. I don't. I don't think I would ever know for anybody else, and I don't always know for myself because there are still some things, still some symptoms that I'm I am speaking to and deal with that's been weeks, months, and years, and I don't know why. I don't know why, but I know that I'm going to do. I'm going to learn and do my part to the fullest extent. And I trust God for the rest of it. I trust him. I know that he's a good God. I know that he, his, his will is for me to be fully, 100% restored. And so at that point, I don't know what's happening in the, in the meantime unless he shows me. If he shows me, yeah, I need to deal with that. You know, and what could that be? That'll be one of the classes that we do. One of, one of the, or maybe a series of classes. What, what are some of the things that, that stop healing from happening? Because the Bible has a lot, has a lot to say about that. And what, what is it, you know, and it could be a ton of things. And one of them could be time. 
You know, why, the, the disciples said, why, why was this man born blind? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? Jesus said, neither. He, this happened so that the glory of God could be shown. How was the glory of God shown? Jesus came on the scene well into his adulthood, into this man's adulthood, and he was healed. Did God put the blindness on him? No. The blindness came because of the fallen world that we live in. Why he wasn't healed until that moment was for the glory of God. The lifelong ailment that anyone, whoever it may be, might have was not put there by God to give him glory. We live in a fallen world where there's ailments. And, and there are hereditary... And the, and the longer, we've, longer humanity's been on the earth, the more ailments there are. Degenerative things and, his, and, and uh, uh, what's the family... Having a family... The heredity peace comes in. There's all kinds of things that come in, but it's not because God gave it to them so that he could receive glory. We live in a fallen world where things are decaying. Things are decaying all the time, and we're dying. You know, we're always dying. So, timing could be one of them. Unforgiveness could be one. Uh, uh, Disobedience could be one. I mean, there's tons of things it could be. What it is for you Oh, Lord, show me what it is for Jeremy. <laughs> and, I'll, and I shall share it publicly. For... <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. And, I, and I, it's not my job to know for you. It's, it's, it's for me to go, God, what's the deal? What do I need? Is there, is there anything that I'm doing that I'm not doing that I should be doing? Lord, show me. And when I've done, it says, when you've done all, everything to stand, stand. And that standing doesn't mean that you immediately receive. Sometimes you stand, you've done everything you're supposed to do, and then you stand, and then you keep standing, and then you keep standing. When do you stop standing? When you receive. And then once you receive, you keep standing, <laughs> actually, because you know, the, you, the, the Satan will try to come and steal it from you. you know? he'll, he'll try to come and take it away. Good. Excellent questions. Is this helping? Good. Anything else? Any other questions? How did your father-in-law come out? Did he have a cold? He had a cold very short time. Yeah, it was, he, that was on Friday when he came into town. And by Sunday, uh, Deb goes, how are you feeling? He goes, actually, I feel pretty good. He says, yeah, he says, that didn't, did, that didn't take very deep. And I was like, you know, you're welcome. You know, you're welcome. <laughs> Who knows? I don't, you know, I'm joking. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's probably the easiest way to say it. I don't know. I, I don't know when someone else is, well, no, I do know that. I do know if somebody else is believing for one thing, you cannot, take, you cannot usurp their authority. If, if a person believes that this sickness, whatever they're dealing with, leads to death, it will lead to death. It just will. You cannot usurp. I can't pray hard enough for them not to die if they're going, I'm, I'm going to die. It's just the way it's going to be. And so, um, yeah. I, and I've, I've heard of many, many different situations where that happens. One of the most famous, and, I, and here you can't prove it. I cannot prove it. How many remember uh, Paul Bear Bryant? Paul Bear Bryant, football coach. Do you ever remember his last uh, speech that he gave? Uh, when he retired, or well, actually a couple of years before he retired. 
It was a couple of years before he retired, and somebody asked, how long are you going to coach? He goes, you know, I'm going to coach for the rest of my life because the day I quit coaching, then I'll, I'm going to die. I'm going to die shortly after that. And he did. Sure, he quit. He, he retired. And within, what, months or even oh, weeks? Yeah, good a month. Yeah. I played the, the Liberty Bowl in Atlanta dark game against Illinois because I know the Illinois coach, so that's why, you know. Yep. And he died within four weeks. It was a yep. total shocker. Yeah. It's like, wow, you know. And I remember when, when he gave that interview and he made that statement, I thought, yeah, you probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing because he just mm-hmm. he, he got done with his career and he died. Yep. It was just, I remember... Everybody's being totally shocked. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the words of our own mouth will, it sets the course. The word is very clear. It holds the power of life and death and it sets the course of your life. And so, as you speak, you need to be wise. On the, on the flip side, and here I'm always going to, I will preface it, and, I'll, and with this I'll only preface it once or maybe every so often. Not everything you say is bound to happen. Okay? Just a minute ago I said I, I said, you know, when 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 I quit doing, I, I will die. Well I'm it's I'm saying something about somebody else, I'm quoting somebody else, so on and so forth. Um God can understand the difference between the words of our mouth and a story or a joke or a so on and so forth. Now if you joke about it long enough you'll start believing parts of it too. So, you know, um, the words of our mouth, what we can't, what I don't want to fall into is what we used to call back in the 80s uh, hyper faith. That you cannot ever say anything wrong or discouraging or ever. Okay, we're human beings. What is your confession? What are you believing? What, what are you putting your faith behind? You know, you're, you, the words that you speak are powerful Especially when you, when you, but when you believe it and you speak it, well, that's, that's where things will happen. So. I think the Psalms give a good example of that. When David's just complaining up the storm, and then at the end he turns it to the right perspective. Because that's his heart. His real heart is that. I'm tempted to do this. I'm tempted to believe this way. You know, it really stunk today, and this is how I felt. But at the end of the day, I believe God. Yeah, exactly. Good. All right, one more. I'll give you one more question. I like questions. Questions are good. All right. Tonight, I have a handout. And, Pastor Greg, I emailed you. How many do we have here? Uh, Jason, can you count fingers and divide by five? Just kidding. How many do we have? I'm going to start handing these out. I made 25 copies. There are two pages per copy. They're, they're flipped back and forth. You can each have one. Like 50. 50. I'm going to need another 20 of these. I emailed them to you, Pastor Greg. It's just like, wow, it's like I'm praying. You know, I'm <laughs> calling those things into being. So you're going to get this in just a moment. What it is, is I... Um, I found online, it's amazing what you could find online, but I found a website that had the healings of Jesus listed, categorized, and sorted. And so I, I printed off four pages for you, for your own reference. And uh, I want to talk about them. Once you, everybody has one, and he's going to print some more, so he's making another 20. Um, 
and but you want it's just good for a reference. It's good to 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 use it as a reference for future. The first page is all of the individual healings of Jesus Christ. So all of all the healings that we find in the New Testament that Jesus performed, they're in there with the references. That's the great part is, okay, where, when, did he, when he healed this person, where was that? Well, it gives you the reference, and sometimes it's in one book, sometimes it's in three books. Um, from what I can tell, there, all the, of all the, the references to healing and everything else, there's never, there, there, there was never a, a single healing where it's re, is referenced in all four. But that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. You know, they, they wrote it at different times for different reasons. All the same, same uh, understanding of why one book would say there were this many and that many in a different book. It's only because it's perspective. It's, it's, uh, it, it just depends upon who was writing and why they were writing all those sort of things. So um, the first page is the 31 individual healings of Jesus. Page 2, the top part is 20 references that of mass healings, which means that when it talked about uh, they all came together and he healed many. Whenever it said that. Uh, before it gives the actual specific, he healed a blind man, he healed a leper, he healed this, he healed that. This one is, he came into town and he healed everybody. That's what's referencing at the top here. Uh, Matthew has the most, and John has the least. But John, um, it's, it's interesting to know that John only really chronicles the last week of Jesus' life. The, the things that it references, the events that it references, it talks about at the beginning... Um, um, the call, or the, you know, it talks about the first part of Jesus' uh, ministry, but then it jumps three and a half years, three years plus, to the last week, and and there, so he healed a number of people the last week, but it doesn't tell a whole lot in between. Matthew, Mark, and Luke has more of that picture, so. That's why we have the healings recorded. The second grouping of healings is the healings recorded in all three of the synoptic gospels. The leper in Galilee, Peter's mother-in-law, the paralytic at Capernaum, uh, the man with a withered hand, the epileptic son, woman with the issue of blood, Jairus' daughter, and one or two demoniacs, depending on which book was written. One book says there were one demoniac, one said there were two. And so uh, those eight are in all three Gospels. They're all referenced and talk about it. Then we have the unique healings only recorded in Matthew and Mark. Then we have the unique healings only recorded in Luke. And then the healings, the unique healings that are only recorded in John. And there are four of them. Page number three is the healings that the disciples took part in. And so Mark, Luke, but mostly Acts, and a little bit of Romans, um, but it's what the disciples did when they operated in healing. And then the last page, page four, is healings that were attributed to demons. 
not, not the heal, how they were healed, attributed demons, but the, they were healed and he said that they had a demon. The person had a demon and they were healed from that, that sickness. And so I give you this for a couple of reasons. One is for future personal study. It is going, it, you need to know where to find these things. This is a quick reference. Um, I know I mean, when I'm looking for something, there, I have to look for specific verses. And then I, I can Google it, or not Google it, but I can, I can look in a, I can search it in a, in a Bible program. But the problem I have is what, what I memorized most of the Bible in is King James. As a kid, that's what I, I read. And I, and I, so when I'm thinking of a verse, the first thing that pops into my head is King James. I don't own a King James Bible anymore, a, a hard copy. And so I have to go into whatever program I'm in. I have to go to the King James. I have to write it, type in what I'm looking for. And then I have to go to where I usually study, which is ESV or NIV, but usually ESV now. So it's, it's, a, it's a process. Here they're all laid out for you. Here's all the healings. This is healing school. Uh, here is every, you know, all the healings. It's, there are, um, it's all the healings. And it's, it's kind of categorized so you can study them on your own. What The reason I started looking into this was I wanted to know how many different ailments Jesus healed. The recorded ailments and where are they and so as we go through this let's somebody count jason count for me <laughs> all right so count for me the different numbers uh, three or four people do it and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll go through it uh, at the uh, at the uh, at the end and see if we all have the same number so first one on the top of the page is leprosy he healed a whole bunch of lepers Second one is somebody who was paralyzed, so a paralytic. Three was a demoniac, so we'll just throw all demoniacs into one big lump sum. Number four, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, she was healed of being a mother-in-law. No, I'm sorry, she had a fever, she had a fever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Careful, careful. I can go there. I'm a trained professional. But don't, you know, don't be diving into that all by yourself. Uh, Pastor Greg has the copies here for you now. He's made them. Um, the fifth one is a paralytic. So we've already had one of those. Uh, man with a withered hand. Uh, dead son of the widow, widow of Nain. So a person raised from the dead. How many is that so far, everybody? Six. Good. Uh, another demoniac. Uh, J. Iris' daughter, she was dead. Um, woman with the issue of blood, seven. Deaf man, uh, deaf man with speech impediment. Eight and a half, there you go. Uh, blind man, have we, have we had a... Okay, next one is two blind men, same one. Uh, other uh, healed of evil spirits and infirmities, we'll leave that in the what it is. The mute demoniac. Uh, well, it'll either be that would either be in demoniac or the deaf and blind, blind deaf, uh, sick person. We won't even count that uh, demoniac daughter. Yeah, I know it starts to sound callous after a while. We're not counting the sick people or the demoniac. It was just documented in the Bible. 
Yeah, I know, I know. Epilepsy, epileptic son, uh, another blind, uh, two blind, one blind. Uh, spirit of infirmity, uh, the question mark, I don't know. Is it rheumatoid arthritis? I don't know. You know who knows? You know, here's, here's where I don't ever want to stretch it. You know, let's just, let's just call it what it was. Spirit of infirmity, whatever that means. Uh, man with dropsy. What is dropsy? Edema? CHF? Dropsy? <laughs> Narcolepsy. They just tip over. No, oh, I don't think so. I think it's, who's, who's a nurse here? What's dropsy? <laughs> it's no, it's not a term. We it's, that's like uh, that's like now somebody says, well, they, somebody had uh, toxemia, and you know, so I, I'm going, no, it's not toxemia. It's a, you know, because they, they have different names for stuff. But what was dropsy? An edema? What, what's an edema? Oh, okay. Well, I, I would say that you know they don't know that it was CHF, but uh, let's just say it's they were swelling. Whatever that means. All right. How many do we have so far? Twelve. Wow. Then we have lepers. We have more lepers. And then the servant's ear chopped off. That's a 13. Yep. That's a, that's a winner. Ding, 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 ding. Yep. That's a winner. Um, sixth son, uh, infirmed man, uh, man born blind, uh, Lazarus, another dead person. Uh, individual healing, blah, da, 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 individual healing, blah, 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 blah. Okay, how many? 13? 13 different things. And, and they're, they're really broad categories, you know, because blindness could be anything having to do with the eyes, you know, uh, anything having to do with the ears, deaf, anything having to do with skin diseases, leprosy, uh, anything to do with uh, a paralyzed. Um, you know, as we go through those, you can think, well, yeah, okay, you know, I've, we've, we read that in the Bible, we see those people healed, and I can understand that. Can you, can you kind of do that? You can, I can see how God, obviously God heals the blind, uh, I, you know, and obviously it says it in the Bible, and we've heard testimonies of people being healed with blind. Okay, yeah, I mean, we can readily accept, accept someone gets healed of blindness, hearing, uh, lameness, uh, whatever it may be. The one that gets me is the chopped off ear. That's a miracle. I mean, they're all miracles. But that's like, that one kind of stands out alone. And it wasn't, Jesus didn't have to work anything up. He just put it back on. He just, you know, and did he even put it back on? He just said he, he touched his ear. And it was there again. You know, that's, God can do anything. If, if he can replace a cut off ear instantaneously, he can do anything. Withered hand restored. He can do anything. Blind eyes opened. He can do anything. What, what this basically tells me, and dead, dead person raised, and not even just a dead person, but a person dead for three days. He stinketh dead. You know, I mean, dead, dead. Like, really dead. Totally. Not no 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 not not mostly dead, <laughs> completely dead, right dead, right dead. He can do anything. So then, why do we get hung up on the things we get hung up on? Why do I get hung up on? Because it's happening to me. 
That's the difference. When it's happening to you, and, and, and it just, it's, it's real, you can feel it, I, I can, you know, all of those things. We can read it in the Bible and go, yes, Jesus heals. But the moment I'm having to deal with it, that becomes very real. And then, uh, then all the doubts and all the fears and all the <gasps> what-ifs. And the only thing worse than when it's happening to me is when it's happening to a loved one. Because you want that person to not suffer. You want that person to feel well. You, and just, but then it becomes what? It's pressure. What if? How come? Why? I prayed and they didn't happen. Or I hoped and I did whatever. You know, it, it, we get into this, this roller coaster of what it's not supposed to be. It's not emotion. It's not hoping enough or believing, you know, saying enough right things. It's faith. And who heals? God heals. God heals. You can't say enough words to heal somebody. You can't even do it right enough to heal somebody. You could do everything right and they not be healed. Why? Because God is the one who heals. So then you do all that you know to do and then you stand. You stand and believe. When Deb was going through what she went through, the blood pressure, the, the kidneys shutting down, everything else. When I came to the end of myself and said, I can't fix this. I, I, have, I can't, I can't. There's nothing I can pray anymore. There's, you know my heart, God. I trust you. I believe you. I know you can heal. I want her healed. You know I want her healed. I believe that I trust you and I believe you. She'll be healed. And then I went and took a shower. Because I had total peace. I had total peace that no matter what happened, God is still God. And that's what, that is the place of, you know, and I, I'm, I'm telling you, I didn't get there because I'm really smart. I got there because I came to the end of myself. I had nothing else. I, could, I had nothing else to do. I had nothing else I could do to make anything happen. I had no more power in myself. So when I, threw, when I put it completely into his hand and I trusted him and I believed him and I told him, I don't care. From, here, from whatever happens here, you're still God. You're still my God. I will still follow you. No matter what. It was out of my hands. And when that happened, when it truly happened, there was a peace. I had total peace. It, it didn't matter what I came back to in 20 minutes. But what I came back to was a miracle. He gets the glory for it. I was removed from having any glory in this whatsoever. So it's, it's, these things are not the worst thing in the world that can happen to you. Blindness is not more powerful than Jesus. Deafness is not more powerful. CHF, edema, uh, and there's no, there is no ailment that you can, can experience that is more powerful than the, than the power of God. So then at that point, it's about understanding what the Word says, being convinced of it, and following through however He leads. Okay? So, it's good to read these. I suggest you start reading them. Reading those stories. Find one a day, a couple a day, maybe a square a day. Read, the, read all three of the uh, accounts of that miracle. Find the one you're dealing with and start to meditate on it. Find the one your loved one is dealing with and start to meditate on it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How did Jesus do it? 
Yes. Sure. Yep. He did. He did strange stuff. You know. He did. He did strange stuff. Um, and why did he do it? Because he said, "I only do what I see my father doing." And so I believe he saw God doing a certain thing. And how? What do I mean? He saw God doing. It's not always seen with our eyes. It's. It can be knowing. He says, "I only do what I see my father doing." You. You see, God is going doing a certain thing. Um, and when you do what you see him doing, you're operating by faith. You're doing it by faith. Um, boy, I mean, I wish I could give you a better example. Does anybody have an example of how that works in your own life? Sure. Yep. Well, I, I gave an example. <laughs> Go ahead. Try it out. I mean, like, what can it hurt? There, I think there is. I think there, there is an obedience level of things that, that if God leads you to do a certain thing. For example, uh, you're going through your life and you're dealing with whatever it is. I don't know what, whatever. I'm just pick, pick a disease. Throw a disease out there. Parkinson's. Parkinson's disease. Someone has Parkinson's disease. And they're praying, they're believing, they're finding what the scripture says, they're quoting the word, they're, they're, they're dealing with whatever the situation is. They're, they, they're, they're doing all that they can do. And then they stand. And the Holy Spirit says, uh, you need to quit eating sugar. They have a choice to make. Now, I have no idea what Parkinson's is fed by, not fed by, or whatever. But I don't think sugar has anything to do with it, does it? I mean, as far as I know. Not that I know. So, the Holy Spirit says, stop eating sugar. Okay. The person does it, and they get healed. It was an obedience thing. Uh, I'll give you a real example. I just, all of a sudden, a real example popped in the head. Uh, I don't know her name. I, I heard, and we, if somebody shared it here in a, in a service one Sunday morning, they read a story about a woman who was called as a missionary to Africa. She gets to Africa, and while she's in Africa, she, the Lord leads her to work with lepers, uh, people with leprosy. She worked for a couple of years with people of lepers, with leprosy, and... She never exhibited any symptoms whatsoever. None. Um, she had a boyfriend back home that she wanted to go be with, and the Holy Spirit didn't tell her to go home. But she did anyway. She left that and went home, back to her hometown. While she was in her hometown, she began to develop leprosy. And she, she's like, Lord, why? I was with him that whole time. I never did. And he says, because I never told you to come home. You need to go back. So she went back. She had the, the symptoms, all the symptoms of leprosy. She went back and it quit. It was an obedience thing. It, was he punishing her? No. I believe he was protecting her while she was there. She was exposed to leprosy. And his, his grace and his, his protection was on her. But as soon as she removed herself from that grace and that protection, then she was vulnerable. Because she, she wasn't told to do it. So, you know... 
I, I think, I think it, it can't, it should, it's not a formula. God's not a formula. He's never a formula. Every one of us. I just ran into a guy over at Ray's shop today. And he goes, he goes, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I said, I said, yeah. And we started talking. I said, how did you get saved? And he started telling me, and then Ray walked in and butted in. We just, we never got around to it. But, <clears throat> but, would made me, oh, sure. But it, but it, it, what it showed me was every one of us has a different way that you got saved. Different circumstances, different things led to you realizing your relationship with God was not where it needed to be, and you repented, you yielded, and you became a Christian. But it's all different. If we all had to do it the exact same way, if it was a formula, I mean, I know, I know people who grew up in it and never left it. I know people who never was in it <clears throat> and got saved. I know a guy who was in it, rebelled, and the way he got saved was, he said, Jesus, yes, just before he died. He was dying. He was laying in a ditch dying. Tommy O'Dell. He was laying in a ditch dying. He said, Jesus, yes. And he lived. So, you know, it's, it's as different Everything is different. Why? Because God's not a cookie cutter. God's not a, it's not a, it's not a uh, formula. We can't expect every Sunday line everybody up. We're going to anoint everybody with oil. They're all going to get healed. If we did that, we could build a machine. It's on oil to every person who walks in the building, and we all walk in healing. It's, it is a relationship with him, and it has to be a relationship. Okay? Anything else about this? Anything about these? I encourage you to start looking through these. We will, we will do some things with these, so I, I keep them close. Fold them up, put them in your Bible. I have no idea. It, it's a part of a bigger website, so it has a link to something that I don't know. I probably should have put the link of where this, which website this was. I apologize. But I can find it again. I can find it again and have it available. There's a map somewhere. I don't know. Okay. You could you could try pushing one of the links and see if anything happens. <laughs> nothing. Gives me nothing. Okay. Turn in the last half hour here. Turn with me to... Matthew chapter 8. This was on my heart today as I was doing everything else I was doing. Jesus' first recorded healing. I want to start there. I want to start there and start to systematically walk through the Bible and look at all of these different instances. Faith cometh by hearing. It's not going to be about how convincing I am in my doctrine. What's convincing is Jesus. That's what's, that's what's going to change us is Jesus. It's about what he did. It's about how he did it, who he was, what he did. So I want to look at the first recorded in each book. The only book we're not going to look at is John because John makes that big jump. John makes the big jump from the first miracle, which was Canaan, all the way to the last week and then does the last week. There's three years of miracles in between there. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke each record a first miracle. Matthew's 
is different than Mark and Luke, but Mark and Luke is the same. So we'll look at those. But let's look at Matthew's first, the first recorded miracle in Matthew. Matthew chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. It says, When he came down from the mountain, great, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for proof, for a proof to them. All right. As we did with the other, you know, when we talked about the, the boy, the epileptic boy, we talked about what lessons we can learn. What I want to get into the habit of each, each time we have a class, we don't, and we're going to do this through January. We're going to do it three times. This one, next week, and the week following. And so we're going to, we're going to have three classes, and then we're going, to, we're going to bring some other classes in for a period of time. And then, as the Lord leads, we will come back to healing. I'm going to continue teaching healing on healing on Sunday mornings as, as the Lord leads. But for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about these healings. And when I teach, uh, it's going to, we're going to take, a, take a, a, a story, a healing story, and we're going to dissect it. We're going to pull it apart and ask questions about it. Next week, uh, glory to God. I'm going where it's warm. We are leaving Sunday after church. And flying to Florida to Deb's parents' place in Florida. We're going to spend the week. I'll be back on the next Saturday. I won't miss a Sunday, but I will miss next Wednesday. We will have class next Wednesday. Not we. You will have class next Wednesday. And you are very, I'm going to, you're, I'm going to just tell you, you're going to be very blessed. Uh, I, uh, my brother Vernon is going to come up and teach on Wednesday night. And so, um, very excited about that. So he'll be teaching on Wednesday night next week. And so uh, he told me, I, saw, I told him I was going to let people know, and he says, good, it's good to warn people ahead of time. And uh, they can decide, make decisions. Just don't, 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 you know, he didn't want them to, want people to know that he was coming, then they could bring fruit and vegetables and things to throw, but whatever works. So, well, when I teach the next two times, we'll be looking at stories. So we look at this story, and we see that Jesus heals a leper. What I want you to do is go back to chapter 7 for just a second because there's something that is said right before the end of chapter 7. And as we know, when the Bible was written, it was not written with chapters and verses. It was just written as a story, as a letter, or as an as a account. So there is no real difference between Matthew 7, 28 and 29, and Matthew 8. Look what was taught, being talked about in Matthew 7, 28 and 29 says this, <clears throat> And when Jesus finished saying these, these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority. So here's this first uh, healing example in Matthew. And what are they talking about? Authority. It really is about the authority. It's about who he is. It's about what he did on the cross. And the, the sooner we can grab a hold of that, that authority is like a, uh, a case law. It's like, it's like a, uh, a court situation. In a court, 
the judge can't rule how he feels. There is case law set out. Here's the parameters. Here's the case. Here's what's happened in the past. Here's how we've decided it, and here's why we've decided it. Jesus, when he came to the earth, he fulfilled the law. We see that all the way through the New Testament. His life fulfilled the law. He lived his whole life, never sinned. And then he took, God took that perfect lamb. That lamb who never had a blemish, never had a, a mark, never, never, never did anything wrong and sacrificed him. It fulfilled the law. How many of you did the Bible reading today for the church Bible reading? In it, it talked about how sins were forgiven. The way sins were forgiven is the priest would lay his hands on the goat. The goat was taken out and released out into the wilderness. They came back and they killed another goat and they killed another. You know, they had to go through this ritual. It was a ritual of bloodletting. They had to, the blood had to be shed for sins to be forgiven. God took that to the absolute ultimate. The blood of, of sheep and goats can only cover over the sin one year at a time, one week at a time, one day at a time, whenever. But Hebrews says that once and for all, Christ died for us. He was the perfect sacrifice. He fulfilled the law. So when he fulfilled the law completely, in John 17, he says, all authority has been given to me. Now, he was saying that by faith because he knew what he had already decided to do. He was going to fulfill it all the way unto death. And so by faith, he says, all authority has been given to me. So when, when, it's, when we say that all authority has been given, he demolished, he destroyed the results of the law, which is sickness, death, and the curse. So when we go to court, when we have a symptom, there's a trial. Think of it that way. And the authority has been given to Jesus, who's our attorney. The judge is God, who's the accuser? Exactly. He's saying, no, no, no. He lives on the earth. He's a person. Uh, he has dropsy. Whatever dropsy is. He has dropsy. And, you're, and the person who has dropsy goes, oh, I have dropsy. Oh my gosh, what do I do now? And our lawyer stands up and says, no, I, I, that, that law, that, that, <clears throat> that sentence is no longer a part of that person's life. I took that curse. I took that sentence. And I, I paid the full price for it. I have the authority now to give it to whomever I want to. And I decide to give it to the person B. His authority is final. It isn't negotiable. His authority to heal you isn't something that, the only, the only way you don't receive it is if Satan talks you out of it. In that courtroom, the judge is going, nope, that's good. He, he, I know he took care of that. You, you don't have dropsy. Well, but, you know, but he says I have dropsy. Isn't that it? Whose report are you going to believe? What, what happened in the garden? Well, what if, what if, what if Satan came 
with a lie. He still comes with a lie. What if, what if you do have dropsy? What if, what if you do have a hereditary disease where your heart just gives out when you're 62 or 3 or 6 or 14? What, what if, what if you don't qualify? Why do you qualify for salvation? Do you walk around every day worrying about your salvation? I used to. <laughs> you know, there was a period of time there, you know, until I got enough word in me to understand that I don't have to worry about that. I'm saved. I'm sa- he loves me. I'm saved. I know what the word says. The law, the truth is, I go to heaven. If I died right here, right now, done. I'll see you there. I'm not, I have no doubt. There's no question. Why would I have question about my healing then? It's the same blood. It's the same, it's the same sacrifice. We have to understand the authority. The authority is, it is yours. It's yours. Automatic. It is because of what he did. And, because, and that would happen 2,000 years ago. It is yours. You have your healing. You are already healed. But now you have to believe it. That's the hard part. All right. So in there on that first recorded healing in Matthew, they were talking about authority right in the same area, right in the same passage. But then we go back and we behold a leper. What did Jesus do? He touched the man. Anybody have a problem with that? You're not supposed to do that. It was against the law for him to touch him. So what does that mean? tells him to do it here. At the end of this story, he says, don't talk to anybody. Go, do, go fulfill the law. Go, go give the sacrifice. Do all the stuff that, that Moses wrote about. And yet he touched the leper. I think he's saying it's a new day. He had already healed him. There's the example of the Sabbath. Actually, mm-hmm. the leper was supposed to be all unclean, unclean. Mm-hmm. It was for your benefit, not for your restriction. Mm-hmm. Healing the power of God and, and to do good. 
Jesus even in one of the times he talked to the, that the Pharisees accused him, he says, well, isn't it better to do good on the Sabbath? Isn't it better to do good for somebody? It's a freedom. There, there's a freedom in doing good. And, and, it's, and the law doesn't have authority over the freedom to do good. <laughs> good, yeah. So, so he, he, at least in sight value, did something against the law, but we know he didn't sin. So there we go. We have, I mean, everything everybody said, that's all, I think that's all, yeah, that's the answers. And so, so in this, I'm not going to come out and say, with all, you know, this, thus saith the Lord, this is the answer. I think all these are the answers. What I'm doing is I'm helping, I'm helping us pick it apart. Yes. Kind of similar to the one with the issue of blood, who said that if I can only touch the hem of his garment, then I will be clean. This guy says, if you will, you can make me clean. And he already willed. And so he was actually already healed by the time that he touched him. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this before that in the Old Testament, in uh, uh, By His Stripes, we are healed. What was the one? By His, or we are healed. By his stripes we were healed in Peter, but by the stripes we are healed. They were already believing for healing. It was something that they already, they had the right to it. And so it was already his will. So the moment he put his faith in him, it was as if he was healed. He, he is healed, just like you're healed. You have that healing. And, it's, and I don't know how to, you know, I mean, we, we, we somehow, that, that, that gap has to be bridged to from I believe it to I receive it. And that's the part that, that's, that's it, it's individual. That's not something we can, it has to be something in your heart. But yeah, I agree. All right. 
So he stretched out his hand and touched him. Why touch rather than speak the word? I'm not saying there's a right answer. Same, same sort of deal. Why? I think he was affirming the word of the leper because Ooh. leopards weren't allowed to be touched. Mm-hmm. Compassion. Right. Go on your way, and they were healed on the way as they went. Yep. I think I think it goes back to that same question: Why why fingers in the ear one time and speak to it the next, and you know so on and so forth. I believe he's, he, he, he was doing what he saw his father doing. And God, and God the Father would touch them. You know, God the Father was not afraid of God the Father was not, there wasn't a barrier. He was showing that there wasn't a barrier there, that he was willing to, to stretch out. <clears throat> Have you ever heard sermons or, or teachings or read anything <clears throat> about the symbology of leprosy? The symbology of it in Christianity. Leprosy, all sickness, but leprosy specifically is a is a a symbol of sin. And in a way, what this is saying is is God reached out even to the sinner while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He was he was acting out the reaching out and touching of the unclean. He Jesus Himself coming into the earth in the form of a man was reaching out and touching the unclean. And so in this. That's what we're supposed to be. We, we you know, years ago, uh, when I first came to the Lord, I was going to a uh, Baptist church, and we did what was called uh, uh, evangelism explosion. And the evangelism explosion was uh, lay people would partner with pastoral people and go out and visit and preach the gospel. And so we'd go, I started doing that. When they offered it, I started doing that. And the pastor and I would go out, and we'd visit people, who somebody who had came in, that week, or you know, come and visit the church, and we went out and visited. There was a lady that we visited, and we started talking to her, and we asked why. She, you know, glad you're here. You know, tell us a little bit about yourself. She goes, "Well, I'm here because the church I used to go to, and I won't name what kind of church it was. Well, it was it was very legalistic. Says that I can know the Bible. They said that the Bible uh, preaches." that we are, are to be uh, separate from the world so that the, the church won't even let me go visit my relatives because they're not Christians. And she goes, is that right? And the pastor said, absolutely not. How, how does anybody get saved unless you, you reach out and touch them? You know, does the Bible say be separate? Yes, it does say that. How, does the Bible say, you know, do not become contaminated by the world? Don't, don't even be, you know, don't be around any of that. Well, how can you, you know, Jesus went into the midst of them. He went into the leper colony. He went into the, into the places, you know, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were going, how can you hang out with these sinners? And Jesus said, well, where else am I going to be? Where else should I go? It's God reaching out to the unclean. It's God taking that step. Praise God he did. Because I don't know about you, but I would have, <laughs> wouldn't be here if he didn't reach out. If he didn't go into, into some nasty places and reveal himself to me. And so, it's, you know, when, when he reaches out. So that means, then for us, it's almost like the, when I talk about our Samaria, that it's the place you don't want to go. Who's the person you don't want to minister to? Who, who's the person that you don't really want to touch? 
That's the person you need to touch. That's the person you need to reach out to and bring life to. Otherwise, that person may never hear it. Especially, especially the very vile ones. And I won't put any designation with that. Mark chapter 1. I want to look at these two real quick, and I've only got about nine minutes, and I guarantee you we'll be through them both. Mark chapter 1, and put your finger there, and then also go to Luke chapter 4. These are the first two, and they talk about the same story. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. says, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught, as, taught them as one who had <gasps> authority, and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And I want to read right away. I'm going to read Luke chapter 4. It's the same story. But just just listen for differences and similarities. And they went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of unclean of an unclean demon and he cried out with a loud voice ha what have you to do with us jesus of nazareth have you come to destroy us i know who you are the holy one of god but jesus rebuked him saying be silent and come out of him and when the demon had thrown him down in their midst he came out of him having done him no harm and they were all amazed and said to one another what is this word for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out and the re- and the reports about him were uh, went out into every place in the surrounding region First thing that sticks out to me, and I'm just continuing to beat the drum, because in beating the drum, it's going to get into us very deep. It's about authority. Both, whether you see the first, uh, the first uh, miracle of Jesus, the first healing of that Jesus did in Matthew, or whether it's the first healing that you see in Mark and Luke, it's about authority. It's, about, it's not a mistake that God is, 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 has that in there. Even in the conversation, what's going on here? This guy's got authority. It's different. It's different than what I'm used to. It's different. Um, years ago, we went on a mission trip, and we, uh, we, one of my neighbors, it was really goofy, Ethan invited his friend, one of, my, one of the neighbor kids to go, and, and I was like, yeah, I don't know about that, you know, um, but then his dad came over and says, well, could, could he go on the trip? I said, well, if you go. And he was like, oh, well, can I go? I was like, sure. Yes, you can go. So he came with us. One of our neighbors came with us on a mission trip. And while we were there, 
all kinds of powerful things happen, all kinds of miracles, all kinds of amazing things. And we were driving back and forth to Sekihid, and he, would sit, he and I would sit in the front seat, and he would, he would ask me, he goes, he goes, how did that happen? How did that, when that happened, he asked, you guys prayed and this happened, how did that happen? I said, that's, that stuff's in the Bible. It's, it's in the Bible. And he goes, he goes, well, I've never heard anybody talk about this before. I've been in church my whole life. I've never heard anybody talk about this. And I said, then you need to hang out around a different church. <laughs> because it's in the Bible. All this, we're not doing anything outside. Of, and then we talked about, he talked about, the, we're, we're praying in the Spirit. And he goes, what's that all about? And I said, that's the Spirit of God living in us and flowing through us and flowing out of us. And he's like, oh, I've never heard this stuff. And day after day, he'd ask question after question. And he experienced the presence of God. A month or so after the trip, I was working in my garage. And I look out here, he's walking up the, the sidewalk, walking up our, and he goes, John, I've got to ask you a question. He says, since I've been back, he says, I've got to church every Sunday, but he says, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I'm not experiencing it. I said, I said well, I, you know, I said, the, the, it isn't just for the mission trip. Because he, he talked about how he wanted, he wished he was back on the mission trip. And I said, it isn't about the mission trip. It isn't about hungry. It's not about any. It's about Jesus. And when, when, when Jesus is involved in there's something different. It's about a relationship with him. It's about his spirit in the place. And, I, and as I'm talking, I'm noticing the Holy Spirit showing up. And all of a sudden he goes, there it is again. <laughs> I said, exactly. And he goes, how come I don't feel it in our church? And I went, What do you say? Not, I'm not trying to, but I am trying to. <laughs> Seek God. You know, <laughs> go where the Spirit of God is. That's, it's the authority. There's something. What did they sense in Jesus? They sensed the Holy Spirit. They sensed the authority. They sensed there was something different because he was sent by God. There is something different about you. There is something, whether you feel it, you've been in it, you've been in it so long, you forgot there's something different about you. There's something different in you. You have to be aware that you have that authority. It is your authority. Well, no, no, you're not dis disqualified. Because you're not, you can't be disqualified from having the authority. Why? Because you didn't give yourself the authority. You can't be disqualified from the authority because it doesn't matter if you did something wrong today. He didn't do anything wrong today. And he still gives you the authority. Well, yeah, but you don't understand. I think it's possible to do some, enough things wrong where God says, sorry, you don't get the authority. No, the authority is still there. When you do enough things wrong, you remove yourself from believing it. You remove your own self from that. That's why he says, all you have to do is repent. Repent. Get right, you know, turn around, go back, seek him, and immediately you're back in relationship. But it's about the authority. Every one of these accounts, two of one miracle, one of the other, it's about authority. And there are tons of references in the, in, in the Gospels talking about authority. There's also accounts, there's also scripture teachings on the authority in the in the, the, the Paul's letters and the other letters. It's about the authority. You have the authority. Walk in the authority. Any questions? Yes. Demonic. Yeah, it was. It was a demonic, and and yes, but it's on the sheet of paper. 
Right. Yeah, he didn't say he was mute. It didn't say he was this or that. You know, there's any any other manifestation, but it's count at least on the sheet of paper. It's counted as a healing. <laughs> All right, good. Any other thoughts? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. I thank you that the word your word continues to illuminate your purpose, plan, and and how how you move among us. Show us, Lord. Teach us. Holy Spirit, teach us how to walk in that healing for ourselves. What is it, Lord? What is the, what is the step? What are you showing us? And help us to, to do only what we see you doing. Lord, we thank you for it. And we thank you that every day we're getting closer. One step, one day at a time closer. In Jesus' name, amen.